You're listening to a Thorn Creek Weekend Message Podcast. For more audio content and other resources, visit thorncreek.church messages. Daddy Weave. All of us have a story, don't we? We all have a story. You came to church and you've got a story. And just turn to the person next to you and just tell them God can work in your story. Can you do that? God can work in your story. Uh, Lord Jesus, have your way here. I, I, uh, I thank you for that worship time, God. You know, I just needed to worship you hard. And I'm so grateful, God, for your presence. I sense your presence here right now. And I thank you, God, that you stir people's hearts to come to church, and we come together as people of faith. Some of us are in the valley. Some of us are on the mountaintop. God, wherever we're at, we just need you, Lord. So uh, Holy Spirit, work in me and through me according to your good pleasure. According to Isaiah 61, anoint this message, God. Anoint it. Would you give God permission to move in your heart? Would you just tell him, God, speak to me? Say it like you mean it, out of your gut. Say, God, speak to me. I need to hear from you. <clears throat> open my ears and soften my heart. Give me eyes to see, and uh, may your word fall on good soil and grow. Change me, God. God, I pray that you move in the heart of every sinner and saint. We all need your grace. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Anybody just love to worship here? I just love to worship. Thank you, our worship team. Put your hands together for our worship team. <clears throat> It's beautiful to see people in their gifting, isn't it? And just, you know, I just, you know, I, I come to church because I'm a Christian, not because I'm a pastor. I come to church because I'm a Christian, and I just have, I'm in debt to my God. He has done so much in my life. So uh, today's message is hope beyond suffering. And if you have part of your story is suffering, who hasn't suffered, right? There's some part in our life where we've experienced suffering or whatever it may be. Um, <clears throat> I... Uh, I uh, want to thank you guys. A lot of you uh, prayed for me last week. If you're not aware, I, I didn't preach on Sunday. Pastor Jeremy, incidentally, Pastor Jeremy did a phenomenal job last week in preaching that message. <laughs> I, I, I really appreciate you guys doing that. I told him, I, I think it was one of the best messages he's ever, ever preached. And I, I really, the Lord used him to speak to my soul. So I'm really grateful for that. But um, last week I was in Alaska and I was uh, asked to go and speak to a bunch of pastors in the state of Alaska. Alaska's really big. It's like bigger than Texas. It's huge. And uh, I, I went over there to, to speak to my uh, pastor soldiers in Christ. There are about, I don't know, 35, 40 pastors from across the state. And they came together at a campground. And, and I, I, I spoke to them about church and pastor life and church growth and health and all that soul talk, soul walk, all that kind of stuff. But I want to show you a few pictures, and I appreciate your prayers very much. But here's when I was flying in. The mountains are so different. How many of you have ever been to Alaska? Anybody been to Alaska? Aren't the mountains just gorgeous? You know, they're like jagged, rugged peaks kind of thing, and, and you fly in. I kept looking for a polar bear, but there was no polar bear. And um, later on, I asked one of the guys, hey, where are the bears at? And, and they looked at me like I was just stupid, and they said, they're hibernating, Reuben. And I was like, yeah, all right. <laughs> I'm from Colorado. Uh, and as I was going over the ocean, um, check out the patches of ice over the ocean. And these aren't clouds. So I felt like I could run on the ocean and leap from one patch of ice to the other patch of ice. You know what I mean? It was just beautiful. It's beautiful. But um, there's this other part of Alaska. And, and here's the temperature while I was there. Actual temperature, minus 22 degrees. 
Yeah, some of you warm-blooded soul brothers would never want to go to that temperature. I know, you'd rather be in Jamaica. But negative um, uh, 22, it was as low as negative 25 for four consecutive days. Anybody ever been in like minus 25 degree weather for four consecutive days? It's a, God bless you. <laughs> it is cold. It is cold. You, you walk, and, and I, 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 uh, I, I, I'll talk to you more about the cold weather, but here's a picture of the sun uh, in the morning. So the way it works right now, at this time of the year, the sun rises like at 10 o'clock in the morning. So until 10, it's like dark like 12 o'clock, midnight, dark. And then it rises at 10. And when it rises right now this time of the year, it like goes up and then it goes on along the horizon. It doesn't like go up like here in Colorado. It goes along the horizon and right around four o'clock, it goes down and it dips. So there's only a short time of daylight from 10 to four. It's a weird feeling because it feels like you're in dawn or dusk the entire day. It just feels like that, and it's bright. In fact, people, they, uh, one of the pastor friends I was driving with said, you just drive with sunglasses everywhere because on this time of the year. Incidentally, one of them um, in Fairfield, uh, Fairbanks, excuse me, in Fairbanks, it's about another six hours north from where I was at. I was outside of Wasilla. Wasilla is about an hour and a half north of, of um, Anchorage. But uh, another six hours north, it was 45 degrees below zero. So there's some tough people in Alaska, very independent people. I think if I pastored there, I'd have a big old beard because that's what everybody looks like. They didn't have a big old beard. Um, but uh, but uh, this, this pastor in Fairbanks was telling me that in July, um, there's a time of the year when people show up and go to, because you're up on the top of the globe and, and you can actually see the people gather to see the sun not set. It, it, it starts to go down, and when it reaches that horizon, it just rides that horizon. It's still up, and then it goes back up, and that happens in July, and people, there has to be like curfews so that you don't mow your lawn at one in the morning, and then, so at 11 o'clock, they say no mowing lawns and all this stuff, because it, it does psychologically, it's just weird. I took a picture of this moose right here. There's moose everywhere. Such a, he let me go and pet his nose, and I rubbed him on the forehead, and we rubbed noses. Now, seriously, everyone tells you, stay away from moose, because they can and stomp you and stuff. So this one was like munching on some tree branches, and I was with my, my pastor friend, MJ. Uh, I kept thinking of Jordan when I was with him. But anyway, and so I said, hey, MJ, let's go back and take a, let's go get that. So he gave me his phone, and I'm taking a picture, and that thing was like just chomping on the, on the branches. And, and I'm like, hey, 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 here, boy. You know, I'm talking like a dog. And then he turns around. He's like chewing, and he turns around, and he just does this to me. <laughs> like, what are you doing? So I just left them alone. But um, 25 below zero. 25 below. One of, the, one of the days I had to walk from my cabin to what I call the chow hall, the little cafeteria, whatever, where we ate every day. And um, I was walking down this path. And, and I, like, I usually like to um, uh, preach in my Nikes, uh, uh, just my, my, my tennis shoes. Now, they're red and black. You see me preach with them over here. And they're just super comfortable, and I like bouncing when I preach. So I like those. So I, while I was speaking, I was talking so many hours with these guys, about 10, 12 hours total time. So, so I thought, I'm going to wear my Nikes this morning while I speak to them. So I, I got to go first get breakfast. So I went outside in the 25 below zero temperature. And, and it's really misleading. So you walk out, and you're like, this isn't too bad. 
You know, I granted, I didn't run. I didn't take some big gaps of, you know, inhale. But I just took about, I don't know, 20 feet. And then I thought, this is a stupid idea. I started feeling my toes. The air temperature was going inside of my tennis shoes. And then I thought, I'm not going to have 10 toes by the time I get over there. And I thought, what am I doing? I'm like a life jacket, you know, a light jacket. So I turned around and one of my pastor friends said, hey, Ruben, come on here. I'll give you a ride. I'll give you a ride. He's a smart Alaskan. So I said, all right. I run it. So I ran to him and he gave me a ride to the chow hall, and then he leaves. So I had to walk all the way back in my tennis shoes. But I, I, this is this persevering. There's this enduring kind of thing that happens in Alaska. There's t- tough guys in Alaska, and they just live like that. They acclimate. And I thought about those words, suffering. This message was written at 30,000 feet elevation from Seattle, so it's got to be good. So here it is, closer to Jesus. But the word suffer means this, to submit to or be forced to endure that's what suffer means, to submit to or be forced to endure. This is a picture uh, that I took w- with my camera. These trees are like crystallized because it's so cold up there. All the moisture has been crystallized. But suffering is going through a painful experience, an experience you don't want to, and persevering, persevering, living in it and enduring. It's like that 45 degree below zero. You put on an extra jacket. But you know what I'm talking about. Some of you experience this suffering. All of us have. Maybe it was an untimely death. Maybe it was a financial situation that you went through or a relationship or someone just hurt you. Maybe it was a church. Maybe it was a physical condition, an unfair situation, that unexpected thing. And the first thing that comes out of your mouth is, Why? How could a loving God allow that to happen? What was that all about? What was the purpose of that experience? Why is this happening to me? Anybody been there before? We've all been there before. Um, As I prayed about this message, the Lord led me to 1 Peter. Um, 1 Peter is written by the apostle Peter, Simon Peter. And out of all New Testament books, you can make an argument that 1 Peter is the Job of the New Testament. You find a lot of words in 1 Peter related to suffering, and the reason why you find that is because um, the emperor Nero, Nero, uh, uh, you know, king of Rome, was, was, was overseeing everything, and, and, and Peter had a concern for the Christians, the Jews and the Gentiles, and he was giving them a heads up about the suffering that they would experience. Now, we don't know that kind of suffering, the kind of suffering where you say, I'm a Christian and you can be dead. We don't know that kind of suffering, but that was the kind of suffering they were about to experience. And I want to spend some time in 1 Peter. First uh, Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, it says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a, what church? living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Glory to God. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. And here comes verse 6. Here it comes. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, you, let's read this bold out loud, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. 
So there it is. Now, what's the purpose of this stuff? Verse 7, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I love this passage because when you wanna, if you want to do life in this world, you've got to have the right perspective. And this passage tells us that we have a living hope not a dying hope. We have a living hope, and his name is Jesus Christ. He is our living hope, and our faith is centered on him, and he has conquered the grave. The tomb is empty, and he sits at the right hand of the Father, and everything is centered around him, and he gets all the glory for everything, and everything's going to be okay. That's what that means. He is our living hope. He is the one that we turn to. If you want to have a better marriage, turn to Jesus. If you want to have a better life, if you want to know God's purpose for your life, turn to Jesus. He's our living hope. And Peter says, in this world, you're going to have trials. Just, you just got to know it. You just got to know it. And he says, here's the purpose of the trials. It's going to, it's going to build up your faith and test whether your faith is genuine. Are you still going to walk with God even if things go bad in your life? What, are you still going to exercise faith and live by faith even when the unexplainable happens and you think, what was that about? Are you still going to walk with Jesus? Are you still going to exercise faith? Are you going to continue to do that? That's what trials does in our life and, and times of suffering. It exposes who we really are. It exposes who we really are. Another definition of suffering involves pressure. And it's this idea here. There are times when you are forced to live under circumstances that press into your faith. I love this picture right here, this gal doing a military press. And I, I love this picture of, of her just holding it. Like, you know, there's times when we feel like that, that there's something weighing on us and we don't understand why this is happening to us. And we're forced, I mean, like, this is just, how long am I going to have to hold this? How long am I going to have to go through this? I don't understand why this is happening to you. And it presses into your faith. One of the gals I was talking to, she's a pastor in, in, a, in, in Alaska there, and I asked her, how many kids do you have? And she says, well, one was killed, and I have three other ones. And I said, what do you mean killed? Like murdered, killed? And she said, no. She said she was with her friend, and um, they were, they were in, in an airplane, and her friend had a pilot license. It was a small, small plane, and they were flying out of Anchorage. And as they were flying out of Anchorage, there was this eagle that came out of nowhere and flew and ran right into the windshield of their airplane and totally, you know, messed everything up. And that airplane went down and she lost her life. Two days later, that woman pastor was being ordained. And I thought, did you just still go through it? I mean, I would have just said, I need a timeout. I can't go. <laughs> this is two, two different sides of the pendulum of emotions. I mean, how could you do that? She said, well, I felt like I just needed to do that. You can't do that unless the strength of the Lord is living inside of you. You can't do that. <clears throat> Here's the problem that we have. When we go through certain situations and we say, why? Why? 
Another pastor friend, he's in Wasella. He has his own building, and, and he had a school, and the school didn't go well, and, and the parents didn't go well. I wish I could say Christians are different, but they're not always different, are they? Sometimes Christians are just like non-Christians. They just throw a few verses on top of it. That's all it is. But sometimes the Christians are always different. And parents, you know, when it comes to the kids, there's another side. You know what I'm saying? So you're hard on legs. And, and sometimes parents just change. And he experienced that with a school, and the administrator wasn't a, good, wasn't a good situation. It was real similar to our 18 months over here. Lord, thank you for taking care of me. All right, so <laughs> it was real similar to that. So anyway, he, he's giving me a tour of his building, and he goes to this one room outside of this main area, and he says, hey, Ruben, I want you to check out this. And he opens it up, and it's a beautiful office with like, like wood floors, and there's windows on the right and on the left, and you see the mountains, and there's an office desk right here, and, and, and it's just a beautiful office. I go, wow, this is beautiful. He goes, yeah, nobody comes in here anymore. This is where the school administrator used to work, and nobody wants to be in here. See, there was so much hurt associated with that room. He didn't want to walk in there. Nobody wanted to walk in there, and that's what hurt does. That's what painful experiences can do. Here's our mistake right here. I want you to hear this. Most people cherry-pick Scripture that relates to blessings and gloss over the overwhelming evidence that suffering is part of every godly life. As a result, their decisions are focused more on comfort and sacrifice. We love the verses related to blessing and financial blessing and health and prosperity and God's favor and joy and all. I mean, we all love, we gravitate to those verses. But if you look at those verses in its context, you find out that there was suffering around those verses. And over and over and over in Scripture, you find godly people suffer. Jesus gave us a heads up. He said, I've told you this, all this, so that you may have peace in, here, in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. See, the immature Christian strives to live a life of comfort, and every decision they make is based on comfort. I'll go to that church as long as it's comfortable for me. It was a good message, message as long as it was comfortable. I'll work there as long as it's comfortable. My comfort is the driving factor in all the decisions I make in life. And when you're not comfortable, you say, I'm out. When you're not comfortable, you said, I, I, I'm not going to go there again. My comfort is the driving factor. This is just American Christianity. American Christianity, is, it's very consumer self-centered, and Christians can be very self-centered. That's, that's the American Christianity right here. Christians in America, they don't think about the sufferings that you see all over in Scripture, that it's just part of life. It's part of life. Suffering's a part of life. And Jesus said, hey, don't be that comfort-driven Christian. There's another suffering here. There's a prodigal suffering that breaks down the prideful heart, and God uses this suffering to bring you back into his arms. Sometimes God allows someone to go through suffering because they have such a prideful, hard heart, and his desire is for them to turn to Jesus. You see that? Sometimes God says, you know what? I'm just going to let you go down that road that you want to go down to. You're deliberately turning your back on God. You don't want to have anything to do with church. You don't want to have anything to do with Christ. You want things your way. And God says, okay, eat the fruit of your way. Just eat it. And the hope and prayer is, like the prodigal son, is that you will come to your senses. 
of Luke chapter 15. It's a great story. You should read it. Verse 16 says, this is the prodigal son. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Well, that was God's will for him to go through this suffering. And the very next verse says he came to his senses and said, what am I doing? I need to go back home with my dad. My dad, I could at least live live there and I'm gonna return home. That's the ultimate goal of God. God wants you to turn to him with all of your heart. And sometimes God allows you to go through suffering because he wants you to turn from that sin. He wants you to turn away from a self-centered life. He wants you to turn to him. So he says, go ahead and you experience that suffering. Sometimes the most powerful prayer is if you want to know, you want someone to know Jesus or want someone to come to their senses, just pray that nothing but bad stuff happened in their life. <laughs> just pray. Thank God, I pray that I hope every, everything he does just is horrible, that he may turn to you, God. You know why? Because there's a heaven and there's a hell, and heaven is worth it. Heaven is worth it. You don't want any soul to go to hell, not even your worst enemy, not even those who hurt you. There's another kind of suffering, though, and it's Christians. Suffering is not always associated with sin. Christians suffer, too. I think about Joseph. He's the son of of Jacob. And Joseph, you read about him in the Bible, he has like a really, really great dream, but his brothers don't think it's a great dream. You know that guy? (laughs) And his brothers turn on him, and his brothers hate him. They hate him because his dad gave him a better gift and and didn't give anything to everyone else. And he was rejected by his brothers. And the brothers hated him so much, they threw him down in this hole and they staged his death and told dad that your favorite son is dead. And then he sold him to some people and he became a slave. And, And then when he was in Egypt, he's falsely accused of like raping this woman and, and, and this, he goes to jail and he's in prison and, and now when he's in prison, he meets this other inmate that's a friend, becomes a friend and he says, man, I've been wrongly accused. Get me out. When you get out, remember me. And there's this verse in there that said, this guy forgot Joseph. Harsh. And when you read that very, very next verse, you know what it says? He stayed in there for two full years. Suffering. You know the thing about Joseph, you know what you don't see in there? You don't ever see him complain. Anyone complain here? If you don't know whether or not you complain, you can just ask the person next to you because they'll tell you the truth. You'll say, no, I don't complain. And they just give that person an elbow right now so they can, they'll be like, I'm never going to come back to this church. Complain. That's what I've complained before. And you see, Joseph, he, it all he went through, he didn't complain. It's beautiful. He was aware that there was this promise of God, and he didn't know how long it would come to fruition, but he was going to walk by faith. There's this other guy. His name is Job. <laughs> Job is found in, in the Old Testament, it's right before the book of Psalms. And this guy was such a righteous guy, full of integrity. And Job chapter 1 starts off about this conversation between God and Satan. And God says, have you seen Job? Have you seen how blameless this guy is? Job's like bragging on Job. And he's like talking trash to Satan. And Satan says, yeah, but if you take everything away from him. And God says, do it. Job has no idea all this stuff is happening. He doesn't know about the conversation happening behind the curtains in heaven. And the scripture says, in one day, Job lost his children, 
Job lost his business. Job lost his house. Job lost his servants. Job lost all of his resources, all of his livestock. Everything was gone in one day. He was left with a woman that said, why don't you curse God, which she probably should have gone to. But that was what he was left with. And you know what he says after all that? Check it out. Verse 20, chapter 1. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head, and he fell to the ground, and he worshiped. That tells you a little bit about what was inside of Job. Tells you a little bit about him. I look at Job, and part of me wants to say, God, I want to be like Job, and there's another part of me that doesn't want to say that prayer. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) I'm just being real. There's another part of me that I don't want to say that prayer, but I want to have that integrity. That's what suffering does. It exposes who you really are. Chapter 17, you see the humanity of Job. In Job chapter 17, he says this, My spirit is broken. My days are extinguished. The grave is ready for me. Wow, have you been there before? My spirit is broken. See, there's different types of suffering. One is a physical suffering or things that happen around you, like circumstances, right? Like financial or whatever it is, and there's that kind of suffering. Uh, But there's another type of suffering that goes deep. It's when your soul is broken. Your spirit is broken. It's a lot easier for a broken bone to heal than a broken soul. It's a lot easier for a broken bone to heal than a broken soul. But you have a God who can heal your broken soul. You have a God who can go that deep. When I was in Brooklyn, New York, and I was at Brooklyn Tabernacle, the Lord revealed this to me because I had a broken soul. And the Lord revealed to me, Reuben, you cannot, you cannot preach, you cannot pastor unless I touch you. When you look at the scripture, you see all these other people in the Bible and you know Moses and Abraham and Isaac and Elijah. And Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. And you see these great champions of faith. All the way into the New Testament, the disciples, Peter was crucified, killed upside down on a cross. It's part of life. This is the, this is the little walk I did to get to the cabin every day. And uh, this is 9 o'clock in the morning right here. It's so weird. 9 o'clock in the morning. And I was walking, this is where my tennis shoes got all cold and everything like that. But I was talking to my pastor uh, friend from, from Anchorage, and he was telling me that he would not go on any trail in Alaska without his gun. I said, what do you mean? He said, there's bears. He said, if it's a black bear, it'll run right up the tree with you. That's what black bears do. But if it's a grizzly bear, they can run as fast as a horse. And he said, you cannot run a grizzly bear. I said, well, what do you do? He said, he will not go even 20 feet on the trail unless he's packing. And I said, well, what kind of gun do you use? Like a 45? He says, oh, no, I use a 44. That's what he told me. <clears throat> I'm like, this is a cool pastor. I like this guy. So I asked him, what do you do? Like if a bear attacks you, where do you shoot the bear? You're going to be so happy you came to Thorn Creek because you found out where to kill a bear. If a bear attacks you, you need to make sure you have a gun. Um, do you kill it on the head? No. He said it, the bullet bounces right off their head. He said it's so strong. He said, here's where you need to shoot him at the sternum. He said, because if you shoot him at the sternum, his front legs will collapse. 
And he said, and the problems with bears, if you, if you even kill a bear, they have so much adrenaline, they can run another 100 yards. And if they've got it in their head to kill you, then they're just going to keep going. So you kill them, you shoot them right here. And I heard that and I thought about this. You just need to be aware, being a Christian and bear attacks go together. Being a Christian and bear attacks go together. I'm not saying anybody needs to start packing. That's up to you. But I'm just saying, you just need to expect that's in this world, you will have trouble, but be of good cheer. That's what it is. Look at 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, for God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example. And you must follow in his steps. You walking through suffering is a witness to everyone around you. The way you walk through tough times. I was talking to another pastor and he just told me his son committed suicide. Even good people. Here's the real question when it comes to suffering. How will you respond to the suffering? Because it's just part of life. Here it is. You can give into it or you can become stronger because of it. You can give in or you can get strong. <laughs> the world needs to see people that won't run away because of suffering. And too many times when we say the marriage is hard, I'm going to bolt. This isn't working, so I'm going to bolt. That job is hard, so I'm going to bolt. Whatever it is, the world needs to see Christians who are willing to walk through the tough stuff. Chapter 5, verse 10, Peter says this, after you have suffered for a, what does it say? Isn't that good? Just turn to the person next to you and just tell them, it's just a little while. It's just a little while. <laughs> the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself, check it out, perfect, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. I want you to hear this. The suffering is a temporary thing, but God will do a lasting thing in you if you let him. He will do a lasting thing. This verse also tells us that we have a good God. You have a God of grace. You have a God who will not leave you, not forsake you. You have a God who will hold you up when you go through the tough stuff. You have a God who will encourage you. Only God can breathe life into a valley of dried up old bones and make them put skin on and stand up. And only God can create a river in a desert where there was no water. That's your God. And your God will carry you through whatever you're going through as long as you lean on him and you're like, I don't need that. You say, God, this is hard. But God will carry you through if you just trust him and walk with him and keep walking by faith. He will see you through. And here's the catch. On the other side, you will be a different person. What does it say? He will perfect. He will, you know what perfect means? Make you holy. Make you holy. And let me just tell you right now, there's still room in your life for that to happen. You haven't arrived. I haven't arrived. 
There's still room for that. I envision it kind of like walking like this, like you face this adversity and you have a choice. You could either bolt or walk through it. And if you walk through it, what happens on the inside will be greater than the suffering you're experiencing. And on the other side, your character will be different. You will learn perseverance. Some of you need to know perseverance. You will learn perseverance and you will be a different person. That word, establish you, literally it means in the original Greek language, it means the foundation, the idea is you will have a new foundation you're standing on on this side that you didn't know on that other side. You will be a different person. And I love the promises we have here. When you walk through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Paul says, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Turn to the person next to you and tell them it's going to be all right. 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 (laughs) Glory to God. God will carry you. As long as you say, I'm going to walk with you, God, and none of, this, none of this makes sense. Like Job, I'm going to keep my faith, God. I'm going to hold on to my integrity. Sometimes when we go through suffering, you know what we think? I might as well sin. None of this stuff matters anyway. You know what? I don't need to go to church. I'm not going to go. It's just so hard. I put my faith, and this is happening to me. How could a loving God allow this to happen? I want you to hear this. Don't trade in God's faithfulness for your hurts. Some of you need to take a picture of that one. <clears throat> Don't trade in God's faithfulness for your hurt. I know hurt. I, I told the Alaskan pastors this. Hurt is wonderful fertilizer for the devil because hurt is always personal. It's about me. But when you go through that stuff and it doesn't make sense, you put your faith in God and you say, God, I know you're a faithful God. I've read how you're a faithful God and you've been so faithful all the days of my life, God. I'm going to hold on to your faithfulness and I'm going to let go of my hurt. Hurt only hurts you. Hurt only affects you. And you're the one that lives with that poison. I'm going to hold on to your faithfulness. Paul said, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know, here it comes, church, that suffering produces what? And perseverance produces what? And character produces what? You see it? If you choose to walk through it, suffering, you say, I'm going to, this, I don't know why this happened, but I'm going to walk through my suffering. I'm going to let God do whatever he wants inside of my heart. I'm going to stay under this weight. I'm going to keep, I'm going to persevere. I'm going to endure. And you say, God, I'm going to keep doing this. And what will happen is it changes you on the inside. You learn perseverance and, you, and your character changes. I, I, you got, there's still room for growth. Your character changes. The other side of spiritual maturity is suffering. When you look at any godly person, just anyone, whether it's in scripture or in real world, real life, when you look at any spiritually mature person, you just need to turn the other side of the coin and you'll see times of suffering in their life. That's why when I talk to people who've been through a lot, 
I'm just like sitting down. I'm like, I want to just shut up and I want to listen to what you have to say. That's what suffering does. Some of you have been through stuff that I've never experienced. Has it ever dawned on you that you persevering and walking through that is part of your God story and you'll be able to minister to someone and God will use that story and you'll say, I've been there before. I've struggled with depression. I've struggled with, you know, thoughts of suicide. I've struggled with betrayal. I've struggled with that kind of hurt. I've struggled with that death. I've struggled. I know where you're coming from. I could identify with it. Some of you, you've been through stuff. I, have, I don't know what it's like, but you do, and God can use you. I like what Paul says in 2 Corinthians. He says, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So what he's doing here is he's using weight. Keith, do you mind coming up and help me out? Keith's a big guy. <coughs> I'm going to see how strong he is. You don't have to say anything, Keith. Keith's from Chicago. He used to be a bouncer way back then, and then God got a hold of him. He's a prodigal son, isn't that right, Keith? <laughs> Come over here, Keith. Come over here. Come on here. I always feel safe when he's around me. So, um, <laughs> so here's what Paul is saying. Here's the momentary troubles. Here, here, just hold on. Can you get that? You're all right? Yeah, the momentary troubles, this is how much they weigh. The things that we're going through in life that we're losing sleep over and we're saying, God, why and how could this happen to me in a military press? This is what Paul is saying. This is their momentary troubles. And he's comparing that with this. Here, hold that on your left hand. Can you hold that on your left hand? And just stretch it out right there. And then he's saying, what, what, what outweighs them all? The eternal glory that's waiting for you. So here you go, Keith, with your right hand. Oh, good night. Here you go. Now hold on to this. Look at you. You're such a stud. You're such a stud. Oh, my word. <laughs> that's awesome. So God is saying the eternal glory far out. Hold it up, Keith. Eternal glory that far outweighs them. <laughs> this is what's waiting in heaven, an eternal glory that far outweighs them. Thank you, brother. I couldn't do that. Thanks, kid. Give him a hand, guys. <laughs> Thank you, brother. <laughs> That's what Paul is saying in this verse. The momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. God will carry you through the wise of life. Hello. God will carry you through the wise of life. <clears throat> when I was in Seattle, I was looking at my Twitter feed and I came across something about Toby Mac. You know Toby Mac, been around. Feels like the guy is 30 years old and never went past 30 or something. I don't know, he just looks good all the time, but <clears throat> he's older than me, I think. But uh, he is. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So it, he... he, uh, he uh, <laughs> You get to a certain age where you start talking more about age before you don't when you're in your 20s. But anyway, so Toby Mac had a tough thing that happened. Um, he's got kids. And in October, his son, Truett Foster McKeehan, who was an aspiring rapper, his son, he died at the age of 21. He died. And the, he died in Nashville in October. And the cause of death is to, believe, to be believed a cardiac arrest, 21 years old. So Toby, here he is, giving his life to, to God, and it's like, why, why does this, you know, sometimes you think trouble shouldn't come at my address because of what I do. 
And it happened. It does happen. So Toby um, put his thoughts down on paper and made them lyrics. And he just released this song on Friday, so it's hot off the press. And he wrote about his son. <clears throat> well, God will carry you through everything you're facing. Isn't that good news? God has big arms, and he'll take care of you. Your job is to walk by faith. Some of you went through stuff I don't even know, but God knows. You're here breathing. God's grace is enough. God, thank you for your grace. <clears throat> I'm so grateful that our glory, that our glory in heaven outweighs everything we're facing here. I'm so grateful, God, that you're not intimidated by anything. And I'm so grateful, God, you're the God who never sleeps or slumbers. I'm grateful, God, that you're not a moody God. <laughs> I'm grateful, God, that you are a faithful God. I'm grateful, God, that you will see us through whatever we're facing, God, in this world. And I just pray, Lord, that in this service right now, that champions of faith are born. If you need to turn your life over to Jesus, maybe you're like that prodigal son, and maybe there's things you're experiencing suffering because of your sin. You know who you are, and God is speaking to you right now, telling you to turn to him with all of your heart. And you can say this prayer, say, Jesus. I turn to you right now, just like that prodigal son running back home to his dad. I turn to you, Jesus, right now, and I ask you to forgive me for my sins, and I want to make you Lord of my life. I'm going to stop doing life my way. I'm going to start doing it your way. I choose to become a Christian, and I turn away from my addictions. I turn away from my hate. I turn away from that, that terrible life, God, and I turn to you instead in your righteousness. Put your Holy Spirit inside of me and give me power to live that righteous life. Others of you, maybe you've gone through suffering or you're in it. Maybe you just need to say, God, I'm going to persevere. Do a new thing inside of me, God. Give me a new foundation. May I learn perseverance. Build my character. Because I hope in you, God. Thank you, God, for not letting the waters overtake me. Thank you for not letting me be burnt. Thank you for not letting me be crushed. Thank you for not allowing me to be shaken. Your grace is enough. I love you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being here. It's in your name, Jesus, I pray. And the church said. Each year, thousands of Thorn Creek Church messages are downloaded for free. This ministry is generously supported by Thorn Creek Church members and listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, please consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting thorncreek.church/give.